Hello, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we are all in pretty much universal agreement that if they ever do a U.S. version a live-action movie of uh, Lupin the Third, they should totally cast Nicolas Cage, because I think he proved himself worthy in the National Treasure franchise. What do you guys think? <clears throat> he was great in... He was really, really good in The Ghost Boy. <laughs> the Ghost Boy? Ghost Rider. Yeah, really good. Oh, you just Ghost made that movie yeah. up. The Ghost Boy, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, the only thing that I recall that sounds like Ghost Boy is Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby, <laughs> and we're not allowed to talk about that anymore. <laughs> no, oh, we're God. not. We can't no. talk about that. No, that, uh. that movie is no longer fun to make fun of because, yes. Thanks, Bill Cosby. Uh, I, w- I would want Nicolas Cage as an Agata, and I'm just yeah. trying to figure out who could play... Fujiko Mine and who could play Jigen? Because I think those are the two toughest roles. Ah, oh, Fujiko could be Andy Circus. Oh yeah, <laughs> Ooh, I can see it. I can see it. He did so well in, uh, in Lord of the Rings and uh, yeah. the, the Planet of the Apes movies. So it's great, great testing ground for Fujiko Mine. Yeah, they could do the like uh, full motion video thing that they do, like cover him in all the little uh, little cotton balls. Yeah. And he can be Fujiko. Man. Yeah. And, and what, they'll, what, what they'll do, same... instead of animating like a 3D like Fujiko, it'll just be Snoke from Star Wars. And nobody or... will ever address it as Snoke showing up as Fujiko. Or yes. they could I use that that wonderful technology to make a Lupin the Third style game in the style of L.A. Noir. They already did that. Remember? Adam Sussler covered it on X-Play. Oh yeah! Wow, like, that's a that's an old reference. It, it wasn't good. Go check out. Go find oh. that review because yes, a loop in the third game actually did get released here in the states. Talk about a time capsule. Okay, you guys started out this episode way too silly. It's definitely not my fault. So I think we should really get back on track here. Okay, serious okay, is that business. Okay? Loop on. It's a very serious business, and because we have Japanese animation to talk about, because in this episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, we will be talking about the 1987 OVA slash theatrical movie Lupin the Third and the Fuma Conspiracy. But before that, Ooh. we are going to spend a little bit of time just doing catch up. Uh, absolutely nothing, nothing silly whatsoever. Um, just talking amongst each other, catching up a little bit, and figuring out what everybody's been up to. So, I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Is everyone happy and healthy? Mm-hmm. Trying to One, be. not the other. <laughs> well, I'm the very, other. very healthy. Excellent, excellent. Uh, is, can, it, well, we've got one healthy. Is, is there a happy in the room? I'm no? pretty okay. ha- I'm, I'm happy. Anytime we're talking about Lupin, it just makes me happy. That's fair. I'm also happy to talk about Lupin. He's a funny, wacky thief. Um, but, um... Yeah, so um, it's good to hear you guys are doing generally well. Uh, Andrew, you recently started a cool new thing, so can you tell us yeah, what you've been up to? I did. Uh, I moved to uh, a little town called Boone, North Carolina, to go to college at a certain Appalachian State University up here, where everyone's insane and the weather's great. Cool. Have you enjoyed your classes so far? Yeah, they've all been really good so far. I have one professor today that wore a yellow plaid shirt Mm -hmm. and white jeans (laughs) with yellow shoes. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
We said that I knew I, yeah, yeah, I knew I was in the right place when I walked into class this morning. That just sounds like something that you would wear in the in the winter months. Does it really? <laughs> I think it kind of does. You know me so well. Oh. I try. He sounds more stylish than my college professor, who would wear everything was in jeans, a jean jacket, jeans, pony, <laughs> pony, <It's> like <laughs> ponytail. He was he he was from the sixties, man. Did he did he ever wear uh did he ever wear a leather jacket with a jean vest over it? I wish that would have been just the cherry on top. That would have been supreme. So since Andrew has been involved in uh, in fashion pursuits up at the uh, up at the University of Appalachian area, uh, <laughs> Bill and Bill and Tobias, you guys recently attended a little convention. If you guys want to chat about that, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, um, I went for Friday to Queens, the Queen City Anime Con uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which Queen City and Later on in the year, Ichiban are pretty much my local cons because where I live, I'm very close to Charlotte. And Tobias was there for the entire weekend, basically being the the all star of panels, uh, doing just awesome work. Uh, and my brother went with me, and we saw uh, Tobias's panel about anime in the '90s. And Hank saw the Daikon Four short for the first time oh and so he, good oh i forgot he, about uh, that and he basically was swept off his feet like his mouth was agape <laughs> uh in full amazement yeah like he he would have he basically um seeing like michael jackson doing the moonwalk for the first time is basically hank's reaction uh, to Daikon Man. Four, whereas as yeah. soon as he fi- as soon as he saw Daikon Four, he had to go hunt down Daikon Three online. <laughs> That's so much funny. Yeah, that has become our footprint at conventions. I swear, even if it's like not related to any of our panels at all, like just a random. If I put, I like I, ha- I feel obligated to put Daikon Four yeah. in all of my exactly. panels. And usually, whenever I show it, I always, I like I look over the audience and see get get reactions. And usually, by the time the stormtroopers show up, where the Daikon girl fights start like Darth Vader, I usually get a few people like laughing or just kind of surprised. But from that moment on, like looking over, I, I I like looked at Hank, and yeah, like Bill is not exaggerating. This dude, I blew his mind. <laughs> Literally, it's just the power and, of Daikon. That video is so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really glad every... Because every, every time we show Daikon 4 at a con, it's always someone's first. And just to see those those pure, elated reactions from pretty much everyone that sees it um, is, is always very exciting and very rewarding. Exactly. It's one of those things that a lot of the old guard know pretty well. And it gets you know, talked about a whole lot. But for like the new people coming in, just the idea of anime characters mixed with like the Western stuff... And now that, like, comic books, you know, more in the mainstream ever with the movies, when they see, like, you know, Spider-Man later and, and Superman, it just kind of, like, freaks them out even more. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> usually when people think of old anime, it's it's never really... A lot of that stuff doesn't doesn't take the through line of, of uh, like, connection back to, like, Western stuff. Mm-hmm. It's usually very... It's very Dragon Ball or very um, uh, Cowboy Bebop or something like that is what people think of when they think of old anime but to see oh, yeah. like 
see all that nerd culture shoved into one piece of old anime is very um the novelty still holds up really well right mm. and it's a great song too super catchy yeah so tobias what um what was your uh how did the panels go it went really well. Uh, I got there Friday uh, right on time due to Charlotte traffic. And yeah, I asked, I asked my panelists Friday, but for any of you guys who are listening that live in Charlotte or uh, you know traveled through Charlotte or been to Charlotte recently, like, why? Why? Why is the entire city under construction? From start to finish, like, uh. for the, entire, the, the entire time we were, I was in the Charlotte vicinity, like, it took me twice as long to get anywhere just because of everything shut down. It's because they're not done yet. <laughs> we've, we've just begun <laughs> our dark it's, work. It's, be, it's because people are constantly moving here, and the city's like, well, we need to build more places for people to go live. So more construction. <laughs> but yeah, no, I got there just on time for the 90s panel. Uh, did that in Star Wars that first night, and uh, did the rest of my, my shtick Saturday. But uh, overall, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Like, the panels went off without a hitch. There were no technical glitches at all. Uh, it was uh, a step up from last year. Last year, they just had, uh, like, that one big uh, TV as the panel monitor, the panel screen. Which oh, yeah. wasn't really ideal. Like, they had it on the bottom of the stage, so only the people in the first few rows really could see it. But this year, they had a full screen in the corner, and, the, like, the panel rooms were really more long than anything which is kind of strange um i'm used to it being well, i guess like i guess uh, i'm used to it being where when you walk in the room like you see that the uh the you know the, like the front stage all the like the all the way at the other end of the room but more they've boxy, got it less rec- less rectangle yeah yeah they have it more they have it like sideways so so you need to walk to like they, um, the other end of the like the, the like the chairs you have to walk all the way across the room to get to it were they like the uh, quote-unquote small panel rooms at uh, at AWA where they're just super long? Uh, I mean, I I, I guess so. If if it's, if you like turn it sideways. Hmm. Okay. Because uh, I remember Because mm-hmm. I remember the uh, the panel room you did your Evangelion panel in at AWA mm. was like like it's strangely long. I thought. Yeah, yeah. It 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 I think the room itself was bigger than those rooms, but it was the same like I guess the same ratio. It just put okay. the the stage to like the long end instead of the short end. I guess is the best oh. way to put it. Uh a little, little oh, awkward, oh, I, but they had, the way they had the screen in the corner was uh I guess turned at a, a a weirder angle than I'm used to, so it actually worked out. So no matter where you sat, you would see the screen really well, which I thought was pretty even, cool. Even from your perspective? Oh yeah, I, I could see it, and I walked around the room before one of my panels, and no matter where I was kind of standing, I could see the screen pretty well. Cool, that's good. I think it worked out pretty well, like the the logistics of the situation. Uh, but yeah, all the other panels went really well. Um, uh, audio audio was not a problem. They had a uh, inadvertently given me uh, some thirty minute breaks between the panels, so I didn't have nice. a situation where I had to, you know, push out the old panelist and try to rush out really quickly. I got a lot of free time to, to set up and show some extra videos and just kind of hang out. So that was that's always a, a pleasure. Uh, the convention itself, uh, I felt like as far as attendance was pretty on par with last year, uh, meaning that yeah, it's kind of a small uh, space. There's that one long hallway that stretches around. 
So it was could be a little packed in the middle of the day. Uh, luckily for me, I didn't really have that much of a problem because I was in panels. But uh, I, I I still feel like they had a, a good many a good many people there. Uh, you know, considering they were jumping from one day to, to to three or four technically, I feel like they didn't really diminish their numbers at all. And yeah, I think they got a really healthy healthy thing going. Did the traffic stay like generally consistent between the days? Uh, as far as I could tell, uh, when I got there late Friday, it seemed pretty busy. A uh, little more busy overall when I was there Saturday. And I actually did have to leave uh, Sunday morning, so I didn't get to stay all Sunday. But uh, yeah, it seemed everyone was hanging out there all day pretty much. Uh, even near the end, when they didn't really have too much going on. They just had like a, a burlesque show and a uh, you know a rave or dance or whatever you kids want to call it nowadays. And a couple other panels. There still seemed to be a lot of people hanging out. Cool, cool. Well, I'm glad because um, yeah, at that particular time of year, Charlotte is kind of quiet with anime cons, and um, like as far as I know, that Ichiban is the only one that's really in the Charlotte area. But even Concord is not exactly Charlotte. Yeah, exactly. So it's, 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 it's good nice to see to, it's nice good to see, see it grow that. as a you know as as a new thing, a homegrown homegrown thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, Bill. What did I know? You were only there for one day, but do you have any other uh, other thoughts about the con? Um, I like that. I'm from what I've seen that they keep they're slowly getting better at things. Like as Tobias said, like the panel rooms are more thought out. Um, they're trying to offer more when it comes to content for a relative, even though it's a relatively small con. They had a good had a relatively good gamers room with just a lot of fighting games set up um overall i'd like to see i'm liking that they're slowly getting better as a con since they're relatively new and i hope as time goes on uh they grow even larger uh i since i was only there for one day um the big the big to do's were just for me, I guess it was just seeing my brother's interaction with things like <laughs> Hank, Hank's interactions with Tobias's panels were great. Um, he also got on a game show that was for a youth. It was like a YouTube game show. I don't know exactly who it is. Huh. Uh, oh, I'm. Uh, so that was pretty fun. He, I didn't think he was uh, gonna get on since it was anime related, but he got on. And uh, he won a uh, Batman manga. Go, go, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but it was cool seeing on there, and people were cheering for him. And the guy who did the qu- like, I was a little, I would have done it though. I was afraid that this guy was going to ask like obscure, like name me this obscure Genion release from two thousand three, something well, like isn't that. that. Isn't that the stuff you know? <laughs> 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 not to some degree but uh i just i just think back to the the mini battleship guys those guys are really good at what they do though some of their questions are like man i i can't name you this obscure adp that's release. true that man From, that um man, you're right because that that voice actor category uh from one of their game shows was really difficult because it was all like really early 2000s dubs with casts that don't even work anymore 
Yeah, but like, I think that's the thing with I've, with fandom is just there's a with fandom there can be like a set period of when you're really involved with it, and I think those guys are got really involved in it in like the when during the bubble, uh, when the bubble was going mm. on, mm-hmm. um, which that's awesome. I wish I could name all those obscure things that they know, but but no, the the quiz show I went to, they were asking more general questions. And uh, the prizes they were offering were really good. Like one of them was a fifty dollars right stuff gift card. Holy one wow! Was like wow. A free pass to uh, Momocon. What? Uh, f- yeah, a free pass to um, a uh, to uh, some some local cons in Virginia. And then they had some like box sets too, like. Um, that weren't released at, uh, yet. Like I think one of the like, Gundam releases, not the G Gundam one, but I think like Gundam Wing and just some really good stuff. Man. Um, if you did, if you did really well. So it, next time I'm there, uh, and if he's there, I'm going to definitely uh, try and get on that quiz show because it was really good. I'm I'm pretty sure I I, I wasn't there, but I think that was Grego, wasn't it? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, we hey, at least oh. got to meet him at Hamicon. That was pretty cool. Oh, man, I didn't even know he was going to be there. Man, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, He's a cool guy. Yeah. But um, as for panel stuff, um, I'm mostly just stuck with my good bu- our good buddy Tobias because uh, <laughs> totally not blowing smoke uh, to Tobias, but he does really good panel work. And I tried. I wanted to, I wanted to see uh, Hank's reactions to those. <laughs> Yeah, but I say other than that, uh, it was a pretty typical, uh, s- pretty typical small, small little convention, small event. I mostly just hung out, did my own stuff, and just kind of saw what was going on with most people. Uh, the dealers' room I thought was uh, pretty on par for a small little event. Uh, there were some pretty cool artists uh, that uh, I got a print from one who has a really cool, um, like end of Ava uh, scene, Ooh. but it's all like kind of pixelated. It's not really blocky like you think of like a bit a bit style it's a little more detailed than that i feel and like you have talked about this before i don't i hadn't seen it before that's the thing really okay. yeah huh. I, I i got her carter in here somewhere and i had it uh, i can't think of her name right now i don't think it's like swan or swan something uh okay. we'll have to put that in the show notes of course when i find it but uh I, yeah. yeah like that kind of stood out to me at that point i had to had to buy that I'm not usually a big print buyer but i had to go for that for sure and I felt like it was just, uh, I mean, there were a lot of artists, and I just I felt like they were a little bit different than a lot of the stuff you see uh, at most co- most conventions. I'm sorry, this is wandering a little bit into, into Tangent Town, but you said uh, you said prints. All right, so uh, Appalachian State has a poster sale <laughs> that they do at the beginning of every semester. Okay. And I found a Kono Super poster, and I bought it. So is this, is this like a used poster sale? Where they like the posters that people leave in their dorms? Mm, no, I think they get them like because they had a bunch of them. Like it was like tables, like thirty, maybe like fifteen feet long they, of just a million posters. They did the same thing at UNCG. It might it might even be the same guys. I mean, who knows? But I I don't know. But anyway, I found a Kona Super poster which was weird to find at a college poster sale. <laughs> and uh, it's on my wall right now. So between your, like, um, oh, God, your Scarface posters and your, like, 
Big Lebowski <laughs> posters and your uh, marijuana leaf posters, there was a Konosuba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was, I was digging through like all the uh, like all the pots and the Joseph Stalins, and then I found. Excuse uh, me. Found... No, uh, that was a joke. But uh, yeah, but uh, I found a Konosuba poster. There were some One Piece posters there too, Bill. So. Ooh. I'm I'm glad to hear that App State has kind of a nerdy posters. Like in comparison at UNCG, it's like the typical posters you see, like Scarface, uh, Scarface Two, Electric Boogaloo. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of documentaries, I guess to to continue on Tangent Town real quick. Uh, Bill showed me Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is probably one of my now new favorite documentaries ever. So thank you so much, Bill. And I've got my own personal copy of it sitting right next to me right now. It came in the mail. Man, that documentary was good. What's it about? It is about the late 80s through the mid 90s era of of the Walt Disney Company. And it basically goes through a lot of the um, of the production problems um through the disney dark ages and then going into the renaissance and then sort of sort of riding that wave um and it talks a lot about the uh the company drama between like uh roy disney who was uh walt disney's nephew who was one of the was he one of the presidents of the company at the time like he was head of uh animation no he was basically like the vice president of animation uh, production at the studio right and there was a lot of internal drama between like him and uh, michael eisner who was the ceo of the walt disney corporation <laughs> at the time and um uh, jeffrey katzenberg who was I, I forget exactly his title but he was another disney big wig and he he eventually left the company to found uh, dreamworks so you can thank him for uh, the boss baby i guess yeah, you, you're saying it's a documentary in it, and all of my, my entire brain just, like, goes to Ken Burns, the Civil War, and I'm like, I, I all I can imagine is, like, the Ken Burns narration <laughs> with, like, a, a letter Michael Eisner wrote to his his wife or something, like, yeah, Martha, it is a power struggle in the Disney office, I haven't seen my leg in a fortnight, that's all I can imagine. I, uh. <laughs> yeah, Michael Eisner sounds exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thank thank you for showing me that documentary, Bill. It was so good. And if if you guys listening out there are big big Disney freaks like myself, you gotta check it out. It's awesome. Um. Yeah. Like if you like YouTube channels like Defunkland, which is a great um kind of a Disney YouTube channel. I would highly recommend checking out Waking Sleeping Beauty. It's not on streaming anywhere, sadly, but you can get the DVD of it for a pretty good price on Amazon. Cool. Well, are you guys ready to kick Tobias out so we can talk about Lupin? I am. I'm... Heck oh, yeah, man. Get out of here. But, uh... <laughs> okay, well, I guess he's sudden. gone. That, okay. that was soon. Rip. But anyway, Rip Toby. Th- thanks, uh, thanks, Tobias, for, uh, for stopping by, even though he can't hear us anymore. But, uh, we... <laughs> we Appreciate him coming on to talk about uh, Queen City for a little bit. And, um, yeah, now we can get to the main crux of the episode, talking about Lupin Third, the Fuma Conspiracy.
And we're back, folks. And like I said, we're going to be talking about Lupin the Third, the 1987 film, The Fuma Conspiracy, or uh, Plot of the Fuma Clan is another one of the names for it. Uh, but before that, I just want to remind everyone about all of our uh, the ways that you can connect with the Third Impact Anime Podcast or the panels that we tend to do at conventions from time to time. And the easiest way to connect with us is over on Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash thirdimpactanime. Uh, you can also find a link to our Facebook group over there where we, uh, we've gained a pretty small little community over there, but it's uh, very interactive, very fun. Uh, we get a lot of really good discussions going on over there about various topics uh, related to anime and whatnot. So uh, please pop on in to the group. Um, and if you've joined already, please add your friends. We'd uh, really, really appreciate uh, being able to grow that community a little bit more. And if you guys are uh, Twitter users, which most uh, all of Bill and Andrew and I and Tobias are, uh, you can find us over on Twitter at twitter.com slash ti underscore anime i think is right that's that's right right yes right right yes uh yeah the i would say like the facebook group has been really fun lately because tobias has been hosting um group rabbit streams of stuff that's been airing this season and that's been really fun uh i i think i'll probably do some lupin rabbit streams in the near future of the tv show um probably uh part the uh, part five that's going on right now or maybe some of the older ones in the future uh that's the, really the rabbit streams are, the rabbit streams are very fun yeah um, they are rabbit is a, a great service and i my goal is to eventually get a schedule together where third impact can host rabbit streams at like particular times in the week at some point i think that would be really fun to do um just i I would organize that but my schedule right now because of work and things is very very inconsistent um but if my schedule changes i would definitely want to facilitate doing that in in the future so look out for something like that i i really would like for the group to be able to do that on a more regular basis i think it could be a lot of fun yeah i think you're right Yep, so there are lots of ways to connect with Third Impact stuff, and you can uh, find this podcast uh, wherever it is that you're listening to it right now, but you can also find it on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and our our main host is Podbean, but uh, it sort of feeds into a lot of other podcasting services, so there are many ways in which you can listen to the show. And if you guys like the show or like the podcast, panels that we do at conventions uh please consider popping over to our facebook page and giving us a star rating and a review uh that really helps out um for um just visibility for the show and to uh get an idea of uh how we can improve the podcast how can we can improve the panels and just to see uh what you guys want and ex- like and expect from us in the future so yeah, yeah really it helps us. It. No, sorry. Yeah, it helps us keep uh, Mark Zuckerberg in, in our. Well, keeps us in Mark Zuckerberg's good graces. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would also uh, recommend uh, if you don't, if you uh, are not totally connected to Facebook, also review us on the whatever uh, way you get us. Like do a review on the iTunes Store, do a review in the Google Play Store. Those also are very helpful as well. Absolutely. They 100% are, and we would really appreciate any feedback that you guys could give us. Uh, 
But now, now, we're finally going to talk about Lupin. We have not talked about it for the entirety of this podcast, and it is now time to talk about the Fuma Conspiracy. All right, so, Bill, you are the resident expert in Lupin Third. Um, we found that out last time when we did our episode on the very first Lupin Third movie, The Mystery of Mamo, back a couple of months ago, which was a really fun episode. But for the people that did not get a chance to listen to that episode, which they totally should, they couldn't go back and listen to it at any time, uh, can you sort of give us the rundown on what the Lupin Third franchise is? Sure. Um, the Lupin Third franchise has been around pretty much since the 1970s, where it's about... Uh, Lupin the Third, grandson of Arsène Lupin and his gang, which is made up of Fujiko Mine, which can either be, which is can be um, sometimes his enemy, sometimes his lover, sometimes his ally, his best friend uh, Daisuke Jigen, the greatest uh, gunslinger ever, and uh, Goemon, the greatest swordsman ever, who can pretty much be the Deus Ex Machina of any situation in Lupin. And they're constantly being chased by Inspector Zenigata of Interpol, whose lifelong mission and dream is to capture Lupin and put him in jail. And the fun thing about the Lupin the Third franchise is you don't have to worry about continuity, like shows like Bleach or One Piece. Um, and they go to very fun, exotic locations. And they do. They can be um, very. Uh, they can either be centered in reality or almost into fantasy um, based on what's going on um, where I describe it as it's a little bit of Indiana Jones it's a little bit of Ocean's Eleven it's a bit of um, National uh, Treasure <laughs> a bit of National Treasure <laughs> see this Nicolas Cage pitch is, is yeah, I think it's a real good idea I'm uh, telling going you in circles. <laughs> and a little bit of uh, James Bond if you sprinkle in that um and I, you can jump in at any point um, with pretty much any of the franchise. Like currently, what's going on is the new Loop in the Third series is going on right now, where they're more introducing modern technology, like a Silk Road type website um, dealing with <laughs> uh, terrorism and just kind of uh, giving a more modern spin. If you want uh, um, more of a classic, you could check out um, Castle Cagliostro, which is streaming on Netflix, which Hint, hint, we're going to do an episode on Cagliostro in the future. Um, 100%. 100%. So I would highly recommend jumping into Lupin at any point. It's just a fun romp where you don't have to worry about continuity. Cool. So thank you, Bill. I appreciate that uh, background on Lupin. And that brings us to the main topic, which is the, uh, like I've said, the 1987 um ova slash theatrical film uh the fuma conspiracy and i've said that twice now it's because um there is a little bit of of debate between whether or not this animated iteration of lupin should be classified as a movie or as an ova um apparently tms themselves um they describe it as an OVA, though technically its first release was theatrically in December of 1987. So I guess you could say either one is correct. 
Um, probably a theatrical movie would be more correct since that is more literal. Um, but I guess if you ask someone from TMS, they would call it an OVA. But who who cares? It doesn't I, really matter. You know what? I I kind of view it as an OVA because when it's a shorter runtime than a usual movie, it's it feels like it's an hour or maybe like um, seventy minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. And if they're classifying it as an OVA, then I'll just go with that. <laughs> it is 73 minutes, and the only reason I know that is because I have the ANN encyclopedia up in a tab. <laughs> oh, man. What what can Anime News Network deliver us with facts? <laughs> <laughs> they they have the best encyclopedia out there. Like, it's, it's so thorough and wonderful. I've been using it so much lately. Um, but, um, so, um... Lupin the Third, the Fuma Conspiracy, um, was released for the first time in the United States uh, back in 2003 um, by the uh, North Carolina-based company Animigo. Um, but at the time, it was retitled to Rupon the Third, which Rupon is just the uh, Romaji pronunciation of of Lupin. It's R U P A N. Uh, it's how they pronounce Lupin in Japanese, but they typically in the U.S. don't spell it that way because it's kind of like Bill said earlier. It's it's supposed to be a reference to Arsan Lupin, which is spelled like you would normally see Lupin spelled L-U-P-I-N. Um, but they release it as Rupin the Third because whenever Animego signed their initial contract with uh, with TMS to release Lupin the Third material in the United States. Um, they signed it when the, um, the character of Arsan Lupin had not yet entered the public domain. Um, but by 2003, that character had entered the public domain, but because they signed the contract when they did, they just decided to release it as Rupon the Third to make sure that there was, uh, no legal repercussions of any kind that they could accidentally get themselves into. Um, so I'm sure for a while there, it was a little bit, uh, frustrating for certain collectors to, uh, own the DVD copy of uh, Rupon the Third next to all of their iterations of Lupon the Third on DVD or VHS <laughs> or, or what have you. Um, but, um, and uh, Animigo did the same thing whenever they released uh, The Legend of the Gold of Babylon um, in the, I want to say also in the early 2000s or the late 90s or something like that. Um, but since then, back in uh, 2007, uh, Discotech Media, Bill's favorite company, and probably my favorite company too, uh, re-released uh, Lupin the Third, uh, Fuma Conspiracy, uh, on DVD in a very nice uh, collector's edition uh, that has some wonderful uh, liner notes and a commentary and all that sort of stuff on it uh, for a bunch of uh, of uh, uh, miscellaneous uh, Lupin content that you can enjoy. Yeah, it's. Um... Funny enough, this is Discotech's first Lupin release, um, but now they've released just a bunch of Lupin product from the Red Jacket TV series to a bunch of the TV specials, so this was their first one. Um, it was funny because when I first, I found this at a con for the first time, and at first I thought it was a bootleg because at the time Discotech was a relatively new company. Um, and they kind of hadn't built up their reputation at the time. Uh, but as uh, Austin says, it has a lot of the bells and whistles that you would expect from a disco, uh, from a discotheque release. Like Reed Nelson, who is 
pretty much, um, I would say, like, the Lupin the Third historian uh, who runs Lupin.net. Uh, he does an audio commentary track giving more details about it, and there's some really good liner notes. Um, sadly, though, the disc, this uh, version of Lupin the Third is out of print, uh, which is a real bummer, since... I think um, after Castlevania, this is probably the best way to introduce people into Lupin. I have a question uh, that will come up later about that exact topic, so I'll save that for now. Um, but real quick, I wanted to go through the uh, production staff of this particular movie. Um, so the director of the Fuma Conspiracy is Masayuki Oizeki. I think I'm saying that right. Probably not. Um, he was the assistant director on the Galaxy Express 999 movie. Uh, he directed a couple episodes of the Captain Harlock TV series, and he's also directed episodes of Trigun, Doctor Slump, and even Fairy Tale and Kill a Kill. So he is still uh, working up until the modern time. Uh, the the screenplay writer on this movie is actually really interesting. Uh, her name is uh, Makoto Naito, and she is uh, mostly a live-action film director that worked on a, a number of films in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, she's probably most known for directing a, a number of uh, girl gang films. Uh, it's like a particular sub-genre of, of Japanese movies that's about, like, girls being tough and, like, in gangs and, like, stuff like that. Um, just imagine, like, um, like, like the Yakuza games, but with, like, an all-girl cast, but or, most of the time they're in school. Or it's kind of, uh, when I think of girl gangs, I think of the girl gang in the Warriors, um, movie. So maybe it's kind of like an exploitation type of, uh, genre in Japan. Yeah, it, it definitely is as well. Like, that's, that's part of the, the subgenre of that subgenre is they, they, a lot of them do fall into that, like, exploitation film where everything's, like, super over the top and sometimes very, like, sexual and violent and all that stuff. Um, so she directed a lot of, a lot of those types of films, but she was also a producer on, um, uh, Masashi Kobayashi's Harakiri from 1962, uh, which is a very, very iconic and famous uh, samurai movie. She doesn't have very many uh, anime credits, but she was also the screenplay writer for Rintaro's Harmageddon, uh, which I have personally not seen, but I've heard a lot of people talk about Harmageddon. It often comes up in episodes of Anime World Order, so <laughs> I guess I will eventually have to have to check that one out uh, one of these days. Uh, I've been meaning to get more into Rintaro's stuff. I think the only Rintaro thing I've seen is Metropolis. Um, so I really, really need to watch, watch more of his movies. Um, so the character designer and the animation director is Kazuhide Tomunaga. Uh, he's mostly a key animator and storyboard artist on projects. Uh, he's worked on anime since the early 70s, uh, working on stuff like uh, Mazinger Z and the Devilman TV series. Uh, he also worked on Sherlock Hound and, the An and uh, Anne of Green Gables, which were two things that both... Uh, that uh, Hayao Miyazaki was a part of as well. Uh, he's worked on a number of Studio Ghibli movies, including Castle in the Sky, Pompoko, The Cat Returns, and as recently as The Wind Rises. Uh, he was also a conceptual character designer for Little Nemo in Slumberland, and he worked on a number of Lupin films and specials, including The Castle of Cagliostro. And he was the chief director for 2015, was it? 2015's Lupin Part 4. Yeah, uh, from a couple of years ago. That's the the, the Italian uh, 
Italy-based Lupin TV series with Rebecca Rossellini. Yes, the one that uh, aired on Toonami not too long ago. Yep. So the art director is uh, Shichiro Kobayashi, who's a very, very iconic uh, talent in uh, in um, background art and production design. Uh, he worked on Angel's Egg and Urusei Yatsura, Beautiful Dreamer, both with um, um, Mamoru Oshii. Couldn't think of his name for a second. Uh, he also worked on the Gogol 13 movie, uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena, Space Adventure Cobra, Venus Wars, the original Berserk TV series, and Castle of Cagliostro. Um, he worked a lot with director Osamu Dezaki in creating his iconic like postcard memory moments. Like if you've ever if you've ever watched anything that's directed by Dezaki and a lot of other anime uh, folks do this as well. Like it'll be like a screenshot where. Um, like all the action will stop and then it will like it will hold on that one frame and then everything will get like hyper detailed like it'll look like a like a classic painting um and you that's just like a, a trope in anime like you see it all the time but that was like a dazaki thing and uh kobayashi was a guy that would uh paint a lot of those uh that he did in some of in some of his films so most notably about fuma conspiracy is that the iconic lupon the third theme music is surprisingly absent from this film um, as is all of the music of Yuji Ono as Yuji Ono was not involved with this particular Lupin project which is very surprising because he's pretty much provided the music of Lupin since the very very beginning did he did he work on the original series um I think so uh, I wasn't sure because it doesn't have that main theme but I I still want it, to say that he did do the music for it the, the main theme doesn't really show up until part two aka red jacket right and, uh though i know he wrote the love theme which is the end credit theme for the first loop in the third series <laughs> Yeah, so it is It is very strange that that music would be absent from this movie, um, because, you know, 1987, like, Lupin the Third Part Two would have been, like, on TV a couple of years prior to this, so a lot of people would have really... I can assume that people probably really would have missed that, because that was such, like, an integral part of the Lupin franchise at that time, and, and still very much is. Um, Mike... My guess why the theme isn't here or um, Yuji Ono isn't really involved is it might be budgetary reasons. Yeah, because there's a lot they, of that here. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, there's a lot of budgetary issues in this OVA where I think <clears throat> instead of getting an orchestra to do more of a jazzy soundtrack, we can just get a pop star or pop idol to do the theme song because we can say hey by doing this lupin ova you get more exposure because it's part of the big franchise uh, which means they don't have to pay as much not gonna lie though i really like the main pop theme of this movie i think it's a really good like 80s pop song um it's called oh, it's don't extreme. say say la vie by masako arakawa it's really good i think it's it's extremely catchy. <laughs> it, 
it is. It's a great song. And if you guys haven't already heard it in this podcast episode, you will probably hear it soon. <laughs> I think that that's a good way to describe this movie. What? How so? Extremely, e- extremely catchy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Um, so, Bill, do you want to go through the, uh, the, well, we mentioned already that there were some budgetary concerns. Can you elaborate on how that impacted the voice cast for this movie? Yeah. Um, the main Lupin voice cast was, were not asked to be a part of this production because of, um, budgetary reasons. And, uh, they mostly got pretty well-known actors. Uh, Japanese uh, voice actors to be in this, but I think they were thinking, well, because they were occurring, uh, the original Lupin cast would be wanting a bigger pay because it's another recurring role. We probably couldn't afford this for the Sevier, so we'll just get an entire new cast. Um, this led to a very sad effect that the original Lupin the Third cast thought that Monkey Punch, the creator of Lupin the Third and uh, writer of the manga, um, was the cause for the cast change. Um, Monkey Punch denied this, um, but sadly, even though he's denied that he was part of this uh, cast change, this caused a resentment between him and the original Lupin the Third cast. pretty much until their deaths uh sadly that is really sad i i I hate to hear that because from what i've read apparently monkey punch really didn't have anything to do with it so it's really unfortunate that that whole misunderstanding uh resulted in such a resentment for such a long time Mm. uh austin do you would you like to go through our cast for this wonderful ova heck yeah (laughs) all right so um um, because of what Bill sort of illustrated, uh, this particular film is kind of a sore spot for a lot of Japanese Lupin fans because of the bad blood involved with not involving Yuji Ono, not involving uh, the original Japanese cast. So a lot of Japanese fans are not huge on this movie because of that. Um, and a lot of American fans are apparently more receptive to it. Um, I'm, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but um, the the cast for this particular film uh, has uh, Toshio Furukawa as Lupin the Third, a very famous uh, Japanese voice actor um, in the in the eighties and the nineties. Uh, he played uh, Piccolo in Dragon Ball Z. He is Ace in One Piece, and he is Ataru in uh, Urusei Yatsura. Um, so, as Inspector Zenigata, we have Seizo Kato. Uh, who is Han Zako in uh, Outlaw Star, and he is the original voice of Megatron in the Japanese dub of uh, Transformers. Uh, wow. He also appears in uh, the original Vampire Hunter D movie as uh, Count Magnus Lee, the guy that kind of looks like Ernest Borgnine that Sully and I made fun of way back in the Vampire Hunter D episode. Uh, he is in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, he's in Gunsmith Cats, and he is the Japanese dub voice of Shir Khan in The Jungle Book, which is That's pretty awesome. cool. <laughs> Bravo, bravo. 
so we have Mami Koyama as Fuchiko Mine. She is Ryoko in Urusei Yatsura. Uh, Kay in Akira. She's Miki in uh, City Hunter. She's Launch in Dragon Ball. Uh, Chiyoko in Millennium Actress. Uh, Big Mom in One Piece. And she's currently the voice of Queen Serenity in Sailor Moon Crystal. Uh, as Goemon, we have Kaneto Shiozawa, who is D in Vampire Hunter D. So we have both Count Magnus and D, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's also Oberstein in Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And then as Jigen, we have Banjo Ginga, as, which I think is a stage name. It's uh, What I looked up is that that is uh, his stage name. I don't have his actual name on here, but that's what he goes by anyway. He is uh, Zabi in Mobile Suit Gundam, and he is also Liquid Snake in uh, the Metal Gear Solid series. Huh. So That's awesome. Interesting voice cast there. Definitely a, a lot of folks that have done a lot of work in anime. Um, not not unknowns by any means, even in their day, for sure. Probably especially in their day, because uh, some of them were involved in, in uh, Urusei Yatsura, which was a huge hit. And, um, yeah, so uh, very, very interesting cast. And uh, in the movie itself, like, while the voices are definitely different, I think they do a, a fantastic job. I guess we can talk about that in a bit as well. But, Bill, do you want to give us the setup of what um, Fuma Conspiracy's story is about? Sure. Um, guess what, guys? Goemon is getting married, which blows my mind because this man gets so embarrassed by being around women. It's amazing. I can't believe he's able to land somebody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is planning to marry... Uh, what was, how do I pronounce her name? Uh mm. Murasaki, just Murasaki. go uh, Inabe, Inabe Murasaki. Yeah, thank you, Inabe Murasaki, who is a daughter of a samurai clan leader. Uh, but during their wedding, which man, that's cold. Uh, they're interrupted by the Fuma clan, kidnapping, uh, Murasaki, kidnapping um, the bride to be, and demanding that the that her family. Um, give their ancient treasure uh, for her safekeeping. Um, so Lupin, Jigen, Goemon, and Fujiko work together once again to save Murasaki, save Murasaki and get the treasure before the Fuma clan can steal it. And basically the movie goes from there, just going through um, like Lupin chasing the Fuma clan um, with uh, Goemon and the gang trying to get his uh, fiance back and then uh, Zenigata sort of uh, also on the on the tail again. So the setup is very similar to pretty much most Lupin things. It's it's not a very unique story in terms of the plot or the characters or anything like that. But I think there's a lot of really excellent elements that make this movie like probably one of my favorite Lupin things having having seen it so Bill um, think think back to the first time that you watched Fuma Conspiracy at that time what Lupin stuff had you seen and what did you think of Fuma Conspiracy the first time you saw it um let's see I think back then because I was just getting into Lupin was I probably had seen Cascagliostro and some of Red Jacket um, because Red Jacket back in the day was on Toonami. Um, but other than that, it, it kind of, I'd forgotten about it, uh, in general. But then I found the Fuma Conspiracy at a con, and I was like, oh, that looks interesting, just based off the cover. And I know of Lupin, so I'm going to try this out. 
And when I watched it for the first time, I just... The thing that blows my mind about it is, one, for an OVA and for some budgetary concerns, it has such good animation where just it's very fluid. You get really unique um, character expressions that you wouldn't... I I hadn't seen in other... uh, more recent Lupin specials, it's and uh, the action scenes just go everywhere and just every little detail in it. Um, and I just love, I love Fuma Conspiracy. I wish this was in print, so that way more people could see it, or it was if it could be streaming somewhere. This is the first time that uh, that Andrew and I had both seen it, so I'll let you go first, Andrew. What did you? What did you generally think of uh, Fuma Conspiracy compared to uh, other Lupin things that you've seen? I haven't seen a I haven't seen a ton of Lupin. I've seen uh, a little bit of I think I've seen one episode of of the original Green Jacket, maybe two, um, and and I've seen some of Part Four. I haven't seen Castle of Cagliostro. <gasps> I've seen blasphemy. Yeah, no. yeah I'm sorry. Um, but I and no, I haven't seen any of uh, part five. But uh, you know, as sort of a, a Lupin novice, you know, watching this movie and hearing about the uh, like controversy it has with uh, Japanese audiences uh, didn't apply to me because I don't really know that much about the series and I didn't see any of that as a problem. But this movie, uh, it how long did you say it was? Seventy three minutes. Yep. It packs a lot into 73 minutes. Like, so much happens in this movie, and it just keeps going. It doesn't slow down. It just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And, you know, some may find that a pacing issue, but I certainly don't, because Lupin's not supposed to stop. Lupin's a ridiculous, you know, sort of over-the-top crime series that's just a ton of fun. And uh, that's exactly what this movie is. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, I would I would say that that is one of my f- absolute favorite parts about this, um, in particular, is that you know it it does not feel like seventy three minutes. It feels like about thirty. Like it goes by so quickly, um, and so much stuff happens. Like visually, like the story is very straightforward, um, and the situations that the characters get themselves into are pretty straightforward. But it's just packed full of of excellent action animation. Um, and some pretty pretty cute character moments, just really good little little scenes here and there. Um, but it's just so much fun. Like it is just a, a breeze to watch. It's super easy to just sit down and put on and just sort of get enthralled by the whole thing. Like there's so many wonderful action sequences and so many just excellent things to latch on to. Like you you could sit down and in 15 minutes you'll be like, oh my gosh. 73 minutes passed by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- think... Uh, I did not... I knew of the budgetary issues. I didn't know the kind of dis- disdain that Japanese fans have of the special. It's kind of funny. It's it's kind of like it within Gundam how American fans love Gundam Wing and G Gundam, but Japanese fans view that as the worst of the franchise. Uh, <laughs> I would say that's for slightly different reasons. But I hear what you're trying to say. Well, it just uh, my general view, my general kind of point I'm trying to bring up is that 
most of the time, it seems that when the Japanese don't like something, Americans really love it, <laughs> or the West really likes it, like Cowboy Bebop, Cowboy Bebop, for example. But um, I think what's great about this special is it's or this OVA is it's constantly moving, where there's no downtime, and even for a typical Lupin, 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 uh, Lupin thing. Uh, like the plot is even more bare where we're not <laughs> it's very straight to the point of going on getting married to this girl ninja clan attacks we must defeat ninja clan as they have kidnapped Goemon's uh, bride to be ancient and there's ancient treasure there you go there's the plot <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's got this element of like um of uh, like tomb raiding to it as well like they go into the uh the place where the uh the family's hidden treasure is and like there's a bunch of booby traps and like like poison gas and stuff like that and it it's got that great action element to it that just makes just like i've said earlier just makes it go by so quickly because it's so much fun it it really reminds me of like an uncharted game yeah yeah, like, That's exactly what this reminds me of because of like all the like the big like villain dude that isn't Zenigata, uh a big like villain dude that they have to beat and there's a treasure at the bottom but they can't have the treasure because of things and uh yeah that that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of, like Nathan Drake's in a hole somewhere trying to get treasure <laughs> and fighting people and Nathan Drake has a has a Lupin esque quality to him, whereas like mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, like he he cracks a, he cracks a joke, but he cracks a whip more often. Aye. Yeah, but um, <laughs> like Nathan Drake is is a wisecrack person, and so is Lupin and things like that. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which brings me to another question that I had. Like generally, in in terms of this film versus other Lupin things, that Bill, you can probably speak more to this. But um, what? How did you feel about the interpretations of these characters in the movie? I know that like the idea of Goemon getting married and like being super close to a woman is like really weird because most of the time he's very strange around women. But what did you think about the the way that this movie handles the characters? I would say that um, as for characterization, like pretty much everyone is on point. Um, where Fujiko is. Uh, is scheming and she just she all she cares about is the money and she's using her feminine wiles to get what she wants um jigen is just by lupin's side and trying to figure uh using his um wonderful skill with uh <laughs> with guns to uh figure things out and lupin of course is like being trickery as well just like yeah i'll help you but I, re- I really want the treasure, which he's, he's also done to s- some degree in other um, Lupin specials and episodes. The one, the, I think the the one that gets the kind of the, the least amount of use or is kind of kind of a, a plot device, sadly, is Goemon's bride-to-be. Because they give her a little bit of interactions with Goemon, but it's very much damsel in distress and it made me if you can just accept it on face value it's not gonna um cause any issues but 
they they you don't understand why these why Koimon and this girl would get married in the first place because they don't seem to have really any chemistry, excluding maybe her just being very doting to Goemon. Uh, and also, she seems very young for Goemon, which is a little bit weird. <laughs> and it, Yeah, uh, and since I haven't seen, like, uh, the sort of stuff, like, on the lighter side of Lupin, uh, because at points, Blue Jacket can get dark, and, uh, I've only seen a little bit of Green Jacket, and I've seen a handful of the woman called Fujikomine. It's interesting to see, like, the contrast uh, between what I would consider, like, traditional Lupin, which is, like, you know, Green Jacket, this movie, Cagliostro, and then stuff like that, where it sort of, like, puts fun and uh, sort of, uh, I'll call it whimsy, uh, over, like, good, like, really deep character work because when you look at like the woman called Fujiko Mine like that's a, 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 like a dark character drama yeah. I would almost call it yeah. um, so I think it just shows the range of this franchise I think it's super interesting and I think that's one thing that's unique about the Lupin characters in general because a show like Fujiko Mine works incredibly well and it works just as well as something like Cagliostro or like this movie just in different ways like the interpretations of the characters are vastly different but they still just work so well um and that's why i think that like lupon has a lot of strength um as a as a franchise with these characters because you can kind of put them anywhere in any sort of thing and they'll just they'll do their thing whether it's you know hard you know um drama action noir stuff or something that's a little bit more fun and wacky and like saturday morning cartoon somewhat like this movie and the kind of um going back a little bit to towards the the ova itself the one thing that i love about it is unlike um like cagliostro which can have a little bit of downtime and just have it can be a little slow at points this movie's pacing, I think, is really good, where it's going from one set piece to the other, so it's keeping you really engaged, and uh, I think it's just amazing what they're able to pack uh, within the short amount of time frame that's, that, that happens within the movie, and I love that all the Lupin cast are used very effectively, because most of the time... Um, in like the TV specials, there's usually one of the Lupin gang that's kind of gets a lesser role where they they pretty much don't have anything to do. But in this um, OVA, I feel in Fuma, I feel everyone uh, has something to do and they contribute and they have a moment. Whereas in later Lupin specials, I feel that that's not the case. Yeah, you're really right. Everybody gets their time, I think. Uh, and, like, there was the weird... Uh, I think that uh, Zenigata in this movie is, like... He's seen... Yeah, he definitely seems like he's just ecstatic to be there, you know? <laughs> like, he's ha yes. he's happy to be chasing Lupin. Yes. And, like, happy to be, like, getting foiled at every corner. And he's just like, well... Darn that Lupin, I'll get him next time. Ha ha, the elbows, like the cop that's next to him or whatever. <laughs> and, like, it's just, 
it, it I, every character gets their time, and I love that. Like even Zenigata gets his time. Well, and I think that's wonderful because like the whole setup of the movie is that at the very very beginning of the film, Zenigata is under the impression that Lupin is dead, so he has basically like literally shaved his head and and become a monk. And then he finds out that Lupin is still alive, and he, like, breaks out his, his trench coat and his stupid hat, and he's like, I gotta go catch Lupin again. And, uh, like, whenever he sees the, whenever he sees Lupin on the road, right before they start that amazing uh, Cagliostroian car chase scene, and, like, his eyes just brighten up, and he's like, oh my gosh, there he is, I can chase him again. And, okay, is it just me, guys, or did the hats look weird in this movie? I thought Zenigata's hat looked really strange. It looked wet. It did. <laughs> it looked very wet. <laughs> and it was, like, super droopy. Uh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't notice any other hats to speak of, but, yeah, that was, that was a little strange. It looked like it shrunk or his head got bigger. Uh, I think it shrunk because I just imagine, like, him putting his, like, clothes in the wash for his wife to do. Maybe he and- sat on it. Maybe he's sad on it. I like this. <laughs> well, he does, in one of the chase sequences, he goes pretty much through a river, which could lead to um, shrinkage of the hat. That's true, that. but the first time you see him put the hat on, I remember distinctly thinking, what is wrong with Zenigata's hat? <laughs> yeah, he too. Like, I'm scrubbing through some of the footage right now, and I see him in the car, and it's just, his hat is just there, and it just, it looks really bad, but, like, (laughs) other than that, like, I would say that the character designs and the the character animation in general is just absolutely superb, and Mm -hmm. I, um, the the fact that a lot of the same team from Cagliostro, such as the, um, the character designer and the uh, background artist, um, came to work for this film, like kind of a long time after Cagliostro because this was 1987 and Cagliostro was what, 79? Uh, it was 1980. 1980? 19, yeah, 1980, I think. Well, either way, like, that's kind of a decent time to be away from it. I know that, um, the, the one, the one gentleman, um, Tomonaga had, uh, continued to work on the franchise, but, um, Bringing him back to do, like, the main character design for this, having worked on Cagliostro in that style, and with uh, Kobayashi's uh, art design, it it makes this film feel a lot like Cagliostro, and it mm-hmm. I would almost recommend it as, like, if you're looking for Cagliostro Lupin and you've seen that movie, this is a really good, like, quote-unquote sequel to Cagliostro, even though it's definitely not the same story at all. So, Goemon is marrying... Clarice from Cagliostro. Okay, that's mm, how we're getting our sequel tie. <laughs> mm, nope. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah, I starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <sighs> but I, the thing uh, that I think adds to it is just one, the paint, the backgrounds are like almost like um, painted, just oh, like the beautiful so trees. Good. It's so pretty, and also just I feel in this one especially. I just noticed when I watched again for the podcast, just the more character uh, facial ex- facial inflections that you don't normally see in a typical anime even today. Just like what we mentioned earlier, the just the joy on Zenigata's face of like oh, he's alive, of Lupin's alive, or yes. just the the little um, 
kind of glances that um, going of Goemon being nervous around uh, uh, Mizaki and Mizaki's mm. kind of cute kind of um, kind of reactions to him were really good. I that's the one thing that's gonna stick with me with this movie is just the just the character facial expressions because they're so anima- animated, especially just um, the bit when they find the ancient treasure and Fujiko is just jumping up and down like a maniac. Yes, just like, yes. yes, I was here. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and she's like grabbing the uh, the shingles off the roof. Yeah, she's like, they're yeah. solid gold. <laughs> But guys, yeah. we we cannot not talk about the best part of the film, which is that car chase through the bathhouse. Oh my goodness! So good, so good. It was like he was playing Driver, and you know, in Driver games, like they're rated T, so you can't run over pedestrians, and they always jump out of the way, like at the right time. Yeah, that's the entire seat. Oh man, it was so good. Oh man. It was absolutely fantastic. So, if you haven't seen the film, there's a fairly long sequence where Lupin and Jigen are in their iconic, like, Cagliostro car, um, and Zenigata and a bunch of cops are chasing them, and they end up driving through a Japanese bathhouse, through multiple stories of the building, including the hot springs outside, um, going past like dozens of people and of course none of the people ever get run over or anything like that but just watching these cars just drive <laughs> at this insane speed <laughs> through this bathhouse is absolutely ridiculous and so much fun to watch it's just mm-hmm. just just amazing the and animation so, is so good and it's so filled with details of just each individual uh, member of the bathhouse having a facial reaction. Like yes. I, re- I remember the one, the, like the girl, just like, like um, pushing her towel, like you pervert. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. When they when they go through the hot spring, and also they go through like a town before they go through the bathhouse and go through a pond. It, it they just go through so many um, obstacle courses. It could be like something on double there. <laughs> <laughs> based on based on the based on the amount that Zenigat is able to go through, it's very um, kind of Blues Brothers esque. Because oh they, yes, uh, much kinda, much like that mall scene. Yeah, where they where they're driving through the mall and everyone's able to get out of the way, no problem. But they're able to cause so much destruction. Uh, <laughs> and I, I that that scene alone uh, makes it. I think my other my two other favorite sequences in the movie are. At first, Goemon is hesitant to give Lupin the vase that it would give him access to the f- ancient treasure. Um, mm. And Goemon finds... Go- Lupin finds out that it's in a vault, um, in a way. And <laughs> yeah. it's amongst this bookcase, which you have to move the bookcase in a distinct in a distinctive combination where you're moving shelves up and down and left and right and you zigzag... And he has, like, a little spider robot that just automatically can just move things around. And it's just, it's super cute. And it's just like, I wish I had a bookshelf like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bookshelf. It was so cool. Like, the way that it moved around reminded me a lot of, like, platforming, like, puzzle video games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, having 
having recently gotten back into playing a lot of Breath of the Wild, it just it reminds me a lot of the sort of like puzzle sort of things that you would have to do in games like that and in like Tomb Raider and stuff like that. Do you remember those desktop icons from like Windows Seven that were like the weird move the block puzzles? Mm-hmm. I do not recall. You don't recall those? I don't. Bill. I vaguely remember them. Well, they were like weird pictures. Sorry, they were pictures that like you had to like move the squares up and down or left or right, like the puzzle. Oh, in the movie to make the picture. I think I vaguely remember what you're trying to say. It was it was the same thing that would be like those little kids games that they would hand you in like a Happy Meal, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's that. Cool. That's very true. So we've mentioned a couple times about like the the backdrops and the the setting of this film, but I think something that's very interesting about this movie compared to other Lupin things is that they pretty much stay in the same place throughout the whole film. Like they're basically just in this very small rural Japanese town throughout the entirety of the movie, which is very unique because typically Lupin is a very like globe-trotting adventure sort of thing where they go to like like in the mystery of mamo for example they go like to uh from japan to like paris to like the desert and like everywhere in between a caribbean island yeah it's like they go everywhere but in this movie it takes place in like rural japan which is something that you don't ever that i have never seen lupon do before i think bill you mentioned that they do go to rural japan in some episodes of some of the tv series but in nothing that i've ever seen it's always been like europe or some big city or some exotic location or something like that but to see this one take place in relatively the same area in rural japan i thought was very refreshing for the series I, I thought it was really neat to see these characters in a place that i had never really seen them before i feel like um the beautiful scenery is kind of in the beginning of the film where you get to see just very pretty beautiful japanese countryside but predominantly most of the film takes place in the cave where the family treasure is hidden mm-hmm. and what they do to make that distinguish some degree is they have some building locations um, throughout the cave where it's it's basically kind of like a Rube Goldberg <laughs> cave full of traps. <laughs> yeah, where, they're going through like the Temple of Doom sort of thing. Yeah, or like um, Andrew kind of alluded to, it's very Uncharted esque where he's yeah. having to get through traps and having to find secret passageways and workarounds. It's, um, Nathan Drake would feel at home here. Mm-hmm. Yes, he would. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is your... Uh, I mentioned a bunch of my favorite sequences, but is there any, besides the bathhouse, do you guys have a favorite sequence amongst the movie? Um, for some reason, and this... I don't know why it stood out to me, but, like... Whenever the bad guy puts the vase on Fujiko's head, <laughs> like for some reason that just that stood out to me a lot. Yeah. Like just that that image of him just like <laughs> slamming her head in the vase was just really funny. Um, because I don't, typically, not necessarily typically, but if you watch a lot of Lupin stuff, sometimes Fujiko gets put in very 
compromising situations and i feel like if that's the kind of lupon stuff that you're trying to avoid this is probably a great place to go because they never really do that with fujiko like she's kind of treated the same way as all the other characters in terms of like action and silliness and all that sort of stuff and there's no real like uh exploitation level to her character in this particular movie um Plus, she is much more entertaining than she is in the cast of Cagliostro because she actually is Fujiko rather than just Fujiko in air quotes like she is in uh, <laughs> Cagliostro. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a tangent from your question. But, yeah, her her getting the, the, vase, the vase put on her head, is, I thought was really funny. I enjoyed the... Uh weird uh like gas acid trip part that was cool with all the with all the uh samurai yeah with all the samurai armor that was in that room and and goemon getting like uh drugged i guess and then everybody yeah. going insane yeah that was fun they're trying to kill each other because they think they're turning into monsters or the fuma clan or whatever yes yeah and just to comment on both those sequences i love the fujiko one because one, it's genuine Fujiko where she's using her her feminine wiles to get what she wants. Where she's handcuffed and she's like, "Oh, my back itches. Can you please? Oh, yeah. <laughs> can you can you <laughs> yeah. please help me, please, sir? Please." Um, <laughs> and then knocking the vase on the henchman's head, which is really fun. Um, and. The acid, it's kind of like an acid trip of when they're in the um, samurai section and I love that they um, go back to that to trick a bunch of the Fuma clan into fighting each other near the yes. end which is yeah. just a really fun trick and uh, <laughs> it, the, that gas is so good that uh, one of Fuchiko's prizes is a bottle of that gas <laughs> at mm-hmm. the end so I'm just like they should bring that um, acid trip trick back into Lupin, that it's somewhere in Fujiko's house. <laughs> I don't know. There, there are some really weird episodes of Lupin, especially in uh, towards the end of towards the middle of uh, part four and towards the end of uh, Fujiko Mine. So maybe they use that weird gas on the animators. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think the only weak part of the entire OVA, if the, I had to say there was a weak part, would just be Mizaki, the the character that's introduced, that's Goemon's wife, to wife to be, because I feel Mur- all she, Murasaki, Murasaki. Thank, thank you. I'm. Uh, I should be struck down by lightning with how many times I get Japanese names wrong. But, it's okay. <laughs> but um, here it comes. I feel um, she's pretty much just a damsel in distress for most of the movie, and that she is there to be cute. Where yeah, she she definitely has this sort of like, um, sort of passive moe high school girl who's very innocent and cute and charming, and they don't real they don't ever exploit that, but she doesn't ever really do much beyond that. She does wear those, uh, like, 80s leg warmers, though. That's true. <laughs> like, she looks super 80s, and it's, it's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that, um, that I, <laughs> just in my head, like, it doesn't really matter, because at the end, um, the, the wedding gets delayed indefinitely. <laughs> um, 
because we got to wrap up the plot, everybody. But um, she and there seems, can there can be no consequences. No, nope, there cannot. Oh. Uh, <laughs> she's just she seems just a bit young for Goemon, just based off her character design. Yeah, and the, based off the fact that like she was wearing the high school girl um, outfit, like. Uh, whenever they do the flashback of them first meeting, like the way I rationalized it is maybe Goemon is just way younger than we think. Um, <laughs> and that made me, that made me feel less weird about it, but uh, I could understand well, if, if some people, if this wasn't their first Lupin thing and they kind of know, uh, the characters, then it might feel a little bit weird, but I don't know. It, it wasn't really that weird. Yeah. It's, it's, and Goemon's really respectful towards her and he's not kind of, um, lecherous towards no, her. Not he's, at all. He, he's very he's very respectful. So th- you don't need to worry about that and in the grand scheme of things it's pretty minor. Yeah, for sure. Hi, my name's Goemon and I'm 16 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can he could still be a Chunibyo. I'm a master swordsman and I am 16 years old. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, one other thing I'd like to mention, um, we kind of talked about it briefly, was the soundtrack. Yeah. I, 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 soundtrack is very 80s with its use of synthesizers, um, but it's really fun. Uh, like the villain's theme is just this kind of like conga beat that goes dun 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 uh, especially during the action scenes, but it's just, it, it's very fun, and it's, it, it kind of fits kind of the tone of the movie. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, and I could, and I wanted to look for more of the soundtrack. I couldn't find anything excluding the, the kind of the pop opening theme song. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I think the, I think the soundtrack sort of made it endearing. You know, because it reminded me a lot of at points. It reminded reminded me a lot of like an episode of like the old uh, old X Men TV series, because because that X Men TV series had a lot of synth and like oh yeah 80s stuff, and uh, so like hearing that music like took me back a little bit. I was like da 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 da, and I'm like yeah, I feel this. <laughs> yeah, I know this is kind of like. Don't 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 tell anyone, guys. But I kind of like that there were some things in this that were different from Lupin, uh, <gasps> like, like the fact no. the fact that the um, like I really like Toshio Furukawa as Lupin. I thought he did a great job. Like mm-hmm. like yeah. I like I like him a lot as Ataru in um, in Urusei Yatsura, and I think he definitely made Lupin more like not necessarily silly, but a little bit more like. Um, boyish maybe um but i didn't necessarily mind that i thought that was great i thought all the other characters sounded fine i mean of course i'm not as as hyper aware of it as uh, a japanese fan would be because they would um they would know the language better and they would be able to discern between voices a lot better than someone who is not a native japanese speaker um but i really liked that and i liked the music a lot so and i know that sort of the reasons why those things were not included were unfortunate but i don't necess- i don't think that those elements being absent make the movie any less good uh i very much agree i i know people are very resistant to change and a change can kind of make people a little nervous but i feel like 
the new cast is pretty on point with their characterizations of the Lupin gang. Like, everyone's in character. There's no kind of weird, like, Fujiko wouldn't do that, or Zenigata wouldn't do that. I think everyone was rightly on point. I would just say, um, if you find this somewhere, or if you are um, finding it Maybe in Japan, maybe I don't know. You have the you got the plane ticket just to buy the DVD. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, do not listen to the dubcast. I listened to the dubcast when I first watched it, uh, um, and tried again recently. And there's no one really of note in the Animego dubcast. And I I bet the the English cast tried their best. Uh, and I don't and I don't wish any ill will on them, but. It's very jarring the the English cast, so I would strictly s- stick with the um, the Japanese cast. Bummed that there's no David Hayter. Yeah. And uh, sort of going back to what you said about uh, like people saying that oh, Guaman wouldn't do that or Zenigata wouldn't do that. Uh, it's hard to put Lupin characters in boxes because they are in so much varied things. Um, so that's, trying that's to very true, yeah. trying to trying to assume a character's action in anything Lupin because part four is drastically different from part one. Uh, and I, uh, hmm? I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Um, I would disagree to some degree because there's there's always going to be some through lines that I feel are always going to be in Lupin things no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like Zenigata's yeah. constant hunt for Lupin and his that's yeah. his one goal and the one thing he's obsessed about yeah. like that's never it's always been there no matter whether it's more a more gruff right. Zenigata or a more goofy mm-hmm. Zenigata or Fujiko using kind of her feminine wiles and her body to kind of get what she wants like that can either play be played more for um sexually or that could be played more as just kind of um I don't know what's the word kind of like uh <laughs> It's going to sound weird. kind of more um, Betty Boopish, where it's just kind of like, it's kind of cute. Uh, okay. I don't I don't know. Um, that makes sense. But I, I feel like there's certain through lines that stay. It's just the tone changes, depending on what yeah. you're looking at. Mm-hmm. But, and like, once again, like, uh, sort of, I wouldn't call, like, any of the characters in, in, in Lupin uh, static. Uh, I think... Uh, I think they all, you know, have experienced change, and 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 even the stuff that I've watched, like, uh, if you think about uh, Lupin the Third as like a, a consistent like narrative, which I'm not sure if people do or not. Most people don't. Okay, so they don't. So then they can, then the characters could be could be static or dynamic, but they can always be, you know, sort of weird alternate universe all star. All Star Spider Man Loop of the Third. So, <laughs> sorry, isn't All Star DC? Wait a minute, I'm wandering into unknown territory with comic books. There's an <laughs> All Star. There's an All Star series of like AU. So yeah, it's All Star Superman. It's like AU Superman, and I I think I I would sort of put like all the Lupin series is in sort of like an AU sort of like box. Is that fair? Um, I would describe it as 
depending on the situation, they can they can have arcs that are going on. Like in the current loop in the third TV show that's going on, one thing that's going on, one kind of storyline that's been re- reoccurring in each of the arcs is just like what's the relationship between Lupin and Fujiko where everyone treats them as kind of like a boyfriend and girlfriend, a long-term boyfriend and girlfriend that have broken up recently. And people were wondering, like, it's like why aren't you more just kind of like how you used to be of Lupin chasing you and Lupin being more kind of a lovey-dovey towards Fujiko doing whatever she wants. So I think these characters can be dynamic in their situations and it just really depends on the story that uh, that whoever is trying to tell. Yeah, I think their dynamicy comes not necessarily between iterations, but during iterations. Like, you can notice, like, character changes in, you know, specifically part four Lupin as a character or something like that. Um, or specifically the, um, I don't know, it's kind of a not a great example, but, like, the, the Lupin of Castle of Cagliostro or something like that. Like, the characters can be dynamic within their own like specific iteration like um like in a uh, crisis in tokyo for example like uh Zenigata, you sort of learn a, a lot about him and how he sort of acts kind of like a, a father figure to like that uh that reporter girl in some ways mm-hmm. um and so like we we learn a little bit about him through that but that doesn't necessarily carry into the next iteration they kind of they kind of start with a clean slate every time unless otherwise specified or how like in Fujiko Mine um Lupin is very much more brash and is um very much more upfront with what he wants and it can it can um, is more um more upfront about what he wants sexually whereas in compared to Cagliostro it's a more older more mature Lupin Mm-hmm. So it just really depends on the iteration, and that the, you can there could be a Lupin fan timeline. Please, I don't want that to happen. Oh man, that would <laughs> give me such a headache. That, that, oh man, I, that'd give me Vietnam level flashbacks to the Zelda timeline and how people want to fit oh. everything in a box. But anyway, that's another, I am sure that's that someone an, has tried. It, I I love Lupin as as you guys know, but I'm not that insane to create a Lupin <laughs> timeline. <laughs> not yet. Uh, if, if when I start doing that, week. when I start doing that, put me in a mental asylum. <laughs> uh, but I, back to, I think this, the, um, the special, uh, the OVA itself, uh, Fuma conspiracy. Uh, do you guys have any kind of, other thoughts or maybe our final thought if you uh, about uh fuma conspiracy and would you recommend it to our listeners today uh yeah uh, i would if you can get it yeah i austin i i i've i've been seeing on twitter that you've been very vocal about Come on, discotheque! You should bring this back. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I, I love that. I and I wish they would respond. I don't know why. Out of all the Lupin things, this one is out of print because um, everything else is still in print, excluding the, the '70s movie, which is 
that's actually for the better. <laughs> Here, here's my very baseless theory. Um, so this was part of the very, very early discotheque releases way back like 11 years ago. So maybe, and this is just a hunch, that they were not able to afford to sign very, very long-term contracts back then. Um, so maybe this is just one of those things that expired and then maybe they could get again if they just re-bid for it or something. Um, cause I'm trying to think of an example of something the discotheque has put back into print that was out of print before. Um, I don't know if there's a good example of that in oh. terms of their own stuff, you know what I mean? Oh, in terms of their own stuff, that's a bit hard, but I can think of kind of outside examples. Like, they they put out Blue Submarine Number 6, which was put oh, out by... Yeah. Bon- which was put up by Bondi Visual back in the day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not what I meant. Like, of course, they've done, like, literally dozens of license rescues from, like, other companies, but I was thinking if there's anything that they... that went out of print for them that they then put back into print. Oh, wait, I got I got one. Okay. The, the Fist of the North Star... The Fist of the North Star yes. TV show. That is true. That is a very good example. Um... And I don't know why that went out of print the first time, but whenever they brought it back the second time, that release was way better, according to a lot of folks, uh, because they were able to do those the uh, the SD Blu-ray and put it all in one set rather than the big like DVD box sets. Um, so maybe this is something that's in a very similar situation, uh, where it's like they can still get it, they just haven't yet. Um, and my hopes is that if they're um, if their new project, kind of like what they're doing with um, the Legend of the Gold of Babylon, like putting that back into print with, in a in Blu-ray uh, format with a brand new English dub from the Eugenion cast, it, I hope that if that is very successful for them, then they will hopefully go back to Fuma Conspiracy and do the exact same thing. I would love that. I think this movie... I like the DVD already looks gorgeous. Like I, I, uh, I ripped it from you, uh, before you left bill. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now on my computer and like, it's just stunningly, stunningly beautiful. Like even in like standard, like standard definition, but like imagining this in Blu-ray quality would just be outstanding. So I would love to see a Blu-ray of this with like, a like the same old features and hopefully some more ones too. And if they get the, um, if they get the Jenny on cast to come back and dub it, that would just be icing on the cake. I think it would be so good. I think they could do that because this is much shorter than what they've planned to do. Um, if they've announced, like, Golden Babylon is much longer. It's, like, around two hours. And this is this would probably not take as much time um, to get it recorded. I think that be a, this would be a great fit for their kind of effort to do new dubs which I am happy and surprised that they're doing that. Uh, so maybe in the future, Discotech will get the license back for Fuma Conspiracy because they have already established relationship with TMS. Um, yes, yes. Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, with their, their, they've basically been putting out Lupin product almost every year at this point now with different TV specials and basically the yearly release of Red Jacket. Um, Red Jacket Part 3 is going to get released probably in the winter around Christmas time. And 
they're going to be releasing Blue Jacket in those separate uh, dub and sub releases very soon. So they, I am at, they have a very strong relationship with TMS or whoever mm-hmm. has the rights to the Lupin franchise. So I wouldn't be surprised if hopefully down the road Fuma Conspiracy shows up on an SD Blu-ray, which would be very nice. And they could easily market it as a very good follow-up to Cagliostro, which they also own, which is very nice for them, I, for sure. I think a really good um, one, too, if they could do it, would be um, an SD Blu-ray of the Fuma Conspiracy with a redub with the Genion cast. And, as an added bonus, they put in the 40, I think it's the 40th anniversary sh- OVA special short, which had the the last time the original dub cast, uh, not the original, sorry, the original Lupin Japanese cast were together to do their roles, excluding the Lupin voice actor who had passed away. I think that would be a cool one too, because that special, that little OVA is only like 10 minutes. I think that'd be a nice kind of fit because they're both OVAs technically. And, um, that could be kind of a nice surprise because that's never been um, released here in the States. Heck yeah, I'd buy it. I'd buy it right now. <laughs> All right, so um, got a couple Twitter questions here, but uh, I guess is there any final thoughts from you guys? Anything you wanted to say? Andrew? Uh, not really. It's a really good movie. If you uh, somehow find a, find a rip on a, on a certain person named Austin Craver's computer... And you want to yes, yes. You if you want to <laughs> and you want to and you want to watch it. It's uh, it's it's really really good. Or you go to Bill's house and beg for his DVD. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a really good movie. If you can, if you get a chance to see it, see it. Absolutely. Closing thoughts, Bill. Um, I love this OVA. I think it's in my Lupin the Third top five of Lupin things that I've seen. Um, just because it's so compact and there's constant um, action happening from set piece to set piece, it keeps you engaged and everyone of the Lupin cast has something to do. No one's really left out. It's prob it's probably the most perfect use of the Lupin cast that I have seen if you don't count the TV shows. So yeah, if you can if you're willing to pay the exorbitant price to buy the DVD or if you need to find it through other means, uh I would highly recommend seeing this OVA. So the cheapest way to get a hold of a copy of this legally is to buy the VHS tape released from Animigo back in the early 90s for about 10 bucks on eBay. Um, or if you want to do that, I'm real quick just searching here on eBay for it because I don't think it's on Amazon. But oh boy, if you want <laughs> if you want a uh, Animigo DVD of it, it goes between seventy and seventy five dollars. And wow. I'm seeing right here in like the lowest the lowest price for the discotheque version that I see is forty seven ninety nine. Oh wait, no, that is the that's the Japanese DVD. Um, which is still very expensive because Japanese DVD prices are crazy. But um, let's see. The cheapest one I'm seeing on here is $70. Wow. With a wow. modest $3.75 for shipping. Just get the tape. Let's <laughs> get the tape. Get the tape. Yeah, buy, buy the tape and then buy special <laughs> equipment so that way you can rip the tape into a special video file 
to watch on your computer, and then you can have it forever. Just don't yes. don't do don't use Kiss Anime because it's very bad for your computer. Yeah, hope you like the... malware. Hope you like malware. <laughs> or um, secret Bitcoin mining. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. So don't use that site. That's only for villains. Only villains do that. Um, yes. All right. So very, we kind of already talked about it, but real quick, final question: What you, you can only pick one. Andrew, what is the most iconic scene from Lupin the Third, the Fuma Conspiracy? The car chase. Bill? Uh, probably car chase, but I'm, uh, my favorite scene is the spider opening the vault. My most iconic shot or scene would probably, since, you, since Andrew kind of already said mine, I'm going to go with the train sequence train sequence is very fun the train sequence is very good the, pr- the prisoner exchange of the train tracks is so so cool a wonderful incredible bit of uh of uh filmmaking right there superb directorial job in that particular scene i'm uh, i'm glad that i did not wake up in a cold sweat tonight remembering that i forgot to talk about that train scene because it's really cool very cool. do you do you want to briefly mention it nope nope they can just go watch the movie <laughs> yes, uh, it's is a very very excellent scene towards the towards the beginning of the film. So uh, yeah, please go watch it. Uh, please grab a hold of it and tweet at Discotech and ask them very nicely to put this back into print. Or if you see them at a convention, please kindly ask them about it. I'm sure they get at questions about licenses all the time. Or better better not to ask them, but just say. Hey, if you guys got Fuma Conspiracy, I would really appreciate it, or something like that. Because if you ask them about it, they'll probably not be able to answer your question. But if you tell them that you want to see this movie, they will probably remember it. So yeah, go or go, um, go ask very nicely, or say rather. As whatever. a tr- as a Trojan horse, you could say, "Tell me about your old logo with the Space Channel Five chick with the rapping <laughs> t- <laughs> with the rapping guy saying discotech." And then lead into Fuma Conspiracy. Perfect. That'll do as well. All right, so we got a couple Twitter questions here from our good buddy Basil over at It's Basil Time. This is uh, Basil, the convention director of Hamacon and uh, a um, uh, member of the Awesome Cast. And uh, he's a great guy. Always, always has awesome questions for us. So he's got a couple here. Um, so to the group, I guess so we'll start with Bill. What's your favorite jacket on Lupin? I'm going to uh, go with just aesthetically. If I have to go aesthetically, I you know what? I think he looks... I think he... You got to go with red. Red's his trademark color. All right, Andrew? Uh, aesthetically? Uh, man, he looks... I think his... The combo of the black shirt, the red tie, the blue jacket, and the gray pants is really, really good. I agree, but I'm going to go with his super iconic look as my favorite with the the black shirt, the yellow tie, and the green jacket. That is, I think that's, that's really my good. favorite my favorite color I'm, combo. I'm glad that ne- none of us chose the pink jacket, because if, <laughs> if someone chose... Should- someone chose pink jacket i would have said you're trying to be an ultra hipster here <laughs> i have never seen an ounce of pink jacket pink jacket lupon and one of these days i will but i cannot speak to that at all just just watch the um 
in the new Lupin series that's been going on, they kind of have homage episodes to the older series. Mm-hmm. There's a pink jacket episode where he wears the pink jacket, and it's very much in the tone of the pink jacket series. So Sweet. You, I would recommend just go watch that. So Basil also asks, what is your favorite interpretation of a Lupin series? Um, for me, I like, I think so far as a whole, I've enjoyed the Blue Jacket content because it has been so varied. Like it does a lot of different styles of Lupin in one series. And it also has a very amazing production style and uh, character design and animation in general so i as a whole i really like the what they're doing with blue jacket but if i had to pick a favorite lupon thing at all it would be fujiko mine mm. bill um you know what i'm gonna be a loser and pretty much say the same thing because uh, <laughs> uh i i love especially when they were doing the part four, how it had a variety of tones where it could be serious, but it also could be very lighthearted and, or it could be, um, funny. It, it went through the full gamut of the Lupin franchise, which I really enjoyed. And I just love Fujiko Mine because of that wonderful watercolor art style. And, uh, we probably also need to do a podcast on Fuchiko Mine as we well. We will, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk but, about how much of a visual genius Takeshi Koike is. By, by the way, people, uh, we're going to have a lot more Lupin podcasts in the future. It's gonna This will be a recurring thing. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> to the Lupin the Third Network. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Lupin, Lupin the Third Cold Cases. Yes. Um, I... <sighs> Okay, I've seen the most. I've okay, the thing I've seen the most of is is Blue Jacket, uh, and I do like really enjoy Blue Jacket. I think it's very good. But from the little that I've seen of Green Jacket, I like love that tone and like the classic feel of just like an old cops and robbers movie. I think that that's just so much fun and. Uh, probably the thing that appeals to me the most would be green jacket so what made us pick the fuma conspiracies to talk about uh, i would say because it's awesome (laughs) i would say in in actuality i was was cheerleading about it and just being like you guys got to see this and so i made you sit down and watch it and you were like this is amazing which is tr- which is a known fact that this is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, like it. Um, Bill came up to visit us um, last weekend or so, and I was just like, "Bill, please bring Fuma Conspiracy because I cannot buy it because it's too expensive." Um, and he brought it up, and we all watched it, and it was just so freaking good. I was like, immediately, we got to do our next Lupin episode about about this one. Like, and mm-hmm. so here we are. Um, so why is Zenigata so pure and good? Um, I mean, because he's amazing, except yeah. like probably my least favorite Zenigata is, um, Fujiko Mina is Zenigata cause he's too mean and like not as silly. He's not as fun to watch on screen. I don't think 
he was so much fun to watch in this movie. Yeah, he was. Like, he's just a pure boy that, that like, got involved in religion after, after <laughs> Lupin died. Just because he had no, nothing to live for anymore. And then he realizes Lupin is back, and he's just... He, it made me want to cry looking at his face yes. in that chase scene where he just cracked this big old smile. You know, it, I, I, I loved it, Zenigata. Yeah. He is pure and good. You know why? Because it's kind of like when you... I think this is going to be a weird comparison, but it's kind of like when you're a little kid and the main thing you love to do is maybe play a certain game like tag or hide and go seek or maybe a certain sport where it just brought you so much joy to me i feel like zenigata feels like it's a game and it's just like it brings him so much joy just to try and get him because he lupin can be so challenging (laughs) where it's kind of like the red runner and coyote uh they they want to they 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 kind of need each other and, and I think Lupin has a, an affection for Zenigata that's kind of shown throughout the season or not not the, the franchise in general um where Zenigata can help him as a cover Zenigata he also kind of has a mutual respect for Zenigata and I think Zenigata has the same for Lupin where it's just they they respect each other and they like the chase. They love the chase. And it's just so innocent and so fun. Zenigata is a huge tsundere. <laughs> yeah. He uh, just is. Excluding Fujikomine, which is kind of the one the, the one Zenigata I don't enjoy. Because it, 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 it weirded me out when uh, he he got intimate with uh, Fujikomine. And I'm just kind of like, Ugh. Oh, we're going to forget that that happened. <laughs> We'll talk about that in the Fujiko Mine episode, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but uh, what is the best Jigen and Goemon interaction? Um, trying to think of any specific ones from the movie. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. Probably, uh, this isn't in Fuma Conspiracy, but when, in Kesukigliostro, when... Clarice and Lupin are about to leave and Goemon and Jigen are like really kind of starstruck where he just kind of like Jigen's like she called me a knight and <laughs> Goemon's like you're not a knight <laughs> that that was pretty good or just they're kind of mutual feelings of just kind of like Lupin why are you messing around with Fujiko like all the stuff in Mr. Mamo or oh, anything yeah. Where it's just mm. like, come on, dude. You're falling for the same trap all again and again. Don't fall for this trap. Yeah, they're kind of like Lupin and Fujiko's Greek chorus. Like, they, they kind of say what the audience is thinking or, a lot of the or, time. So, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing listicles at this point. But um, another great moment was, I think it was in either Red Jacket or... They might have done it in Blue Jacket Part 4 where Lupin has a bomb that's in his body and he has to steal a certain item for this wealthy patron That's um, where he's like, well, I'm going to die because I'm not going to make it. And Gwenmon and Jigen jump in the car just like, we're, yeah, we're we're in this together. We're 
We're not. We're not letting you. We're. You're not going to um, get away doing the solo. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Great characters yeah. all around, everywhere. They're in Lupin. They're all in Lupin. It's awesome. Good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's my review. Whole franchise right there. Good show. It is good. All right, dudes. Well, uh, okay. There's a couple more questions. Okay, one more question, but this is just for me. How was my birthday? It was great. Thank you for asking, Basil. I appreciate it. I got to go eat some delicious sushi with my family, and it was wonderful. And thank you for and being here. And I was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. You you get the distinguished honor of being related to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Uh, Bill, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you uh, introducing me to Lupin in general and for bringing your DVD so we could all watch it together. And thank you for being on this podcast this evening. Uh, It's my pleasure. I will always be here to talk about Lupin. And Andrew, thank you very much for joining the episode. I know we don't hear from you a whole lot these days, but thank you for your your wonderful thoughts and uh, stuffs about Lupin. And hopefully we'll have you on to... uh, Talk about Castle of Cagliostro whenever we show you that. Hopefully, yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah, just gotta force it down my throat. Uh, yep, we will have to do a rabbit stream where we all watch it on Netflix. Okay. Because that is a great mm-hmm. way to watch it, because it's idea. on there now. But if I can get on the, the, the pod more, if my, my schedule uh, lines up, then I, I might. I don't know. We'd love to have you. Alright, folks, Bill... Uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter at WBForman999, where I'm mostly just retweeting other people because they're much smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, mostly Same. mostly uh, either something from Justin Savegas, because he he's my secret um, anime um, production... Of crush that I just want to ask a million questions of two, uh, <laughs> or uh, I will do random observations such as um, what is the DNA of a Lincoln Park music video. <laughs> <laughs> when is when when are you gonna do your first video <laughs> essay on that so you can be one of those shouty YouTube people? Um, <laughs> I I don't think I want to enter the YouTube space where. Uh, I get 5,000 negative comments, and <laughs> they tell me, but you didn't mention so-and-so video from so-and-so, the, f- the fifth album for this song. Nah, I don't, I don't want to go through that. <laughs> and Andrew, where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, at toaster underscore Mike, and uh, I tweet about anime sometimes and uh sports sometimes and if you ever like have any good laid-back camp art or you want to talk to me about yotsuba uh i'm there i I always check my twitter so if any of you are into into the into the yotes uh then (laughs) i'm 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 around and you can find me over on twitter as well at bebop shock that's bebop is in cowboy bebop and shock is in bioshock and uh, you can find me retweeting a bunch of uh, Kingdom Hearts fan art and randomly just talking to myself in public, because that's what Twitter's for, right? 
And uh, <laughs> I'll just say it again, even though it. I said it. <laughs> what, what were you saying, Bill? Oh, I was just saying it's like it's it, it's like a public square where you just want to yell and just scream at the top of the lungs, and everyone's just going, "Huh? Who's that crazy man talking in the middle of the street?" And then they press the like, <laughs> and that's Twitter. <laughs> that's Twitter. Anyway, you can you can find me over there, but you can find, uh, like I said earlier, you can find all the Third Impact anime-related stuff over on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash thirdimpactanime, and you can also find our group there. Please add yourself, add your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to see the main hub of all the stuff that we do, we do have a website that we use occasionally. We will post our uh, show notes up there uh, for this episode and for... Um, a lot of the more recent episodes, we haven't got a lot of the older episode stuff up there yet, it, um, even though Bill and I have been working lately to get uh, production notes written for some of our uh, older content. Mm. Uh, oh. You can find our recent stuff uh, up on the website. And uh, plug, when whenever this comes out, um, I will be ha- there will be an article up that um, about how Netflix is not the anime boogeyman that most people on Twitter would make you think that's the case. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, if I, by the, if by, I, by the, sorry, by the time that episode, by the time this episode reaches you, the public, that that article should be up. If I've learned anything in the last week from the stupid internet, is that apparently Crunchyroll is the anime boogeyman, which that whole stupid argument is dumb on so many levels don't don't get me started and that's why it's the end of the episode so all right uh you can find third impact anime over at thirdimpactanime.wordpress.com. uh you can also find us on twitter at ti underscore anime and andrew you had one last thing you wanted to say and join us next time for lupon the third National Treasure, starring Nicolas Cage as Lupin and Andy Serkis don't, as Fuchiko Mine. Don't forget a special cameo by Ernest Borgnine. And yeah. Ernest... <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. We're going to be filming it and reviewing it. Absolutely. All ourselves. All by ourselves. Yes. Find us on Patreon. <laughs> me, me on... <laughs> Alright guys, thanks, thanks again for listening and tolerating us, and we will see you in the next episode. Say goodbye, everybody! Bye! Bye!